What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. And this one, we're going to take a look at some of the new signings that are coming to the Premier League this year. One, on an individual level, are they going to get us those clean sheets, goals and assists? But we're also going to look at it from a team level. How are they going to improve things around them? And what will it do to players' minutes and stuff like that? So if you enjoy this type of content, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't already checked out Fantasy Football Hub, links in the description below. So we'll start off with James Madison, who's moved from Leicester to Spurs. And what I'm going to do for each of these players is quickly run through the numbers from last season, take a look at their opening six fixtures, and then discuss their role at their previous club and how that might differ at their new club. So Madison comes in at 7.5 million. Last year, it was 10 goals, 9 assists. His expected goals per 90 were 0.24. Expected assists per 90, 0.34. So Spurs have signed a quality player, and the fixtures are okay as well. Brentford away in game week one. Little bit tougher in game week two with Man United at home. So I get straight away, there's a lot of FPL managers that would probably rather wait and see how he does. But I don't think those two fixtures are awful. Then you've got that little run of Bournemouth away, Burnley away and Sheffield United at home. Then Arsenal away in game week six. Now in terms of role at Leicester... The position did kind of change a little bit throughout the season. They had a lack of options, different managers and stuff like that. Sometimes he was used on the right, but we know that he likes to come centrally. And often that's where he was used. The problem was towards the end of the season under Dean Smith, he often set up in a low block. So that didn't really give Madison much of a chance in the final third. In fact, the only goal he scored under Dean Smith, bearing in mind he got 10 last season, was a penalty against Fulham. So we know he can do better than how he ended that season at Leicester last year. In terms of at Spurs, a couple of formations that Postacoglu could play. 4-4-2 possibly, in which case Madison would likely uh, line up as a shadow striker with Kane. That would give him a lot of opportunity to get into the box, obviously create chances for Kane as well. I think the formation that most people are expecting is a 4-3-3 where he'd be used as an attacking eight. Either way, he's going to be the main creator in that team. And when you've got the likes of Son and Kane, if he stays, you know those chances are going to get put away. The quality around Madison this year compared to at Leicester is definitely going to be better. And overall, he should have more license to get into that final third. It's not going to be so much of a low block like we saw under Dean Smith. He's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. I don't think you need to worry about minutes or anything like that. He's got great underlying numbers already. You'd imagine that out output could improve in a better side. So next up is Dominic Soboslai, who's moved from Leipzig to Liverpool, and he's come in at just 7 million. Last season, he got a quite respectable 6 goals, 8 assists. If we look at the underlying numbers, it was 0.17 expected goals per 90 and 0.3 expected assists. So a little bit lower than Madison, but he does also cost a little bit less money as well. I think Liverpool's opening fixtures are okay. Chelsea away in game week 1, Newcastle away in game week 3, but obviously we're not looking for clean sheets here, only attacking returns. I think Newcastle will probably be the tougher game. Chelsea Chelsea, it really depends how quickly um, that kind of new setup under Pochettino clicks. Game week two, Bournemouth at home, and then the last three, are ev uh, sorry, Villa at home, Wolves away, and West Ham home. So I don't think it's too bad for an attacker. If we look at his role at Leipzig, quite varied, mostly played off the right, did also play centrally on the left as well. So that kind of shows a little bit of versatility, which might help with his minutes. Sometimes you get players that can play kind of everywhere, but aren't great at any one position. It means they get left out a lot. But I think with Soboslai, it probably means he's going to be used quite a lot under Klopp. Uh, most, the formation that Leipzig mostly used was a 4-2-2-2. So he was playing on the right, but it did give him license to come in centrally. And I think that would work pretty well in the Liverpool 
Liverpool setup. At Liverpool, like I said, you should expect him to start more often than not. Going to be a key part of that new look Liverpool midfield with McAllister as well. If they continue with the same setup they had at the end of last season, the 3-5-2 in build-up. He's likely going to play as a number eight, but you would expect him to be given license to get forward, almost into kind of number 10 positions. So there definitely is some potential there from an FPL point of view. Occupying the half spaces, lots of time in the final third, and a big source of creativity. And one of the things that he will probably do is drift out wide. Like we said at Leipzig, he often played on the right, so he's used to doing that. And that kind of has effects on other players. So it may allow Trent to stay more central. I don't necessarily think that improves Trent's attacking output, but it does help the overall structure for Liverpool. And from a defensive point of view, it might help their clean sheets. So for those of you looking at Trent, that could be good. And also, if Soboslai is going to move right, that allows Salah to come inside. And I've got to be honest, last year, although Salah scored a lot of points as usual, I really feel like he could have scored more. And too often... He was kind of wide on the right. And a lot of us were watching games thinking, why is he not inside? He's their best attacker and he feels a little bit wasted. Obviously, he's very creative, but you want him in front of goal. And someone like Soboslai coming in could really help that. So should be a regular starter. I think with any new signing, there's always a chance that they get bedded in slowly. But if he gets enough minutes in preseason, I think we'll start. We'll see him start in game week one. And obviously, he's a potentially cheaper way into that Liverpool attack. The likes of Salah are obviously 12.5 million. A lot of the other front... Three, you can't be as confident with their minutes. I think with Soboslai, you probably can be a little bit more confident, and he's only 7 million. So there is definitely potential there for him to increase his numbers at Liverpool. And if he's going to get regular minutes and you've got no better way of getting a second or third attacker, maybe he'll be a, a, an ideal option. So this is going to be an interesting player to discuss. Sandro Tonali, who's moved from Milan to Newcastle. A transfer that I don't think most people saw coming, but it has happened. He is ready to go for next season. He's only 5.5 million. Now, to be fair, last year for Milan, he only got two goals, seven assists, which isn't anything to get too excited about. And obviously, the way people are building their squads for this season, there's a lot of kind of 6.5 to 9 million midfielders. But at some point, if we need an enabler, and we're looking for a 5.5 million midfielder, that's absolutely nailed on maybe Tonali could be the one 0.08 expected goals per 90 0.19 expected assists as we know by now the opening four fixtures for Newcastle aren't great they've got to play Man City away in game week two Liverpool at home in game week three and Brighton away in game week four but either side of that the fixtures are pretty good so let's not write him off just yet at Milan Probably misprofiled as a defensive midfielder. Now, I've got a, I did get some help with the research for this. And I've got to be honest, I don't watch Serie A. But I think when I hear the name Tonali, I do think defensive midfielder. And I think a lot of people probably think the same. But actually, he was more of a box-to-box midfielder. Played as a part of a double pivot in a 4-2-3-1 formation. And did create three chances per game for Milan last season. So, not too bad, again, for 5.5 million. At Newcastle, he could possibly be used in a more attacking role don't get me wrong he's not going to go and play as a number 10 or anything like that but Newcastle don't play with a double pivot they usually play with a three-man midfield so he's likely to have a few less defensive duties could be more like an attacking eight I think I think what people are expecting is Tonali to play as the defensive midfielder and Bruno Gomeris to play further forward but I actually think it could be the other way around that's why I think Tonali may be able to increase that output that we just saw of two goals seven assists and also Tonali is just great defensively so even if he is higher up there's the opportunity there to win the ball back that might help the Newcastle defense which was brilliant last year 
And I have kind of briefly touched on the fact they might regress a little bit, but this is a great signing to make sure that doesn't happen. So I think overall for Newcastle, this is going to be a big help. Um, loads of midfield options though for Eddie Howe next year, unless they start selling some, of course. Bruno Gomeres, Tonali, Willock, Joe Linton, Anderson and Longstaff. And you've only got to fit three of them. Oh, sorry, yeah, three of those six into that midfield. You would imagine if everyone's fully fit, it's going to be Tonali, Bruno, and then one of the other ones. I think the amount of money they spent, and I know they've got a lot of money, but still, the amount of money they spent, the quality of that player, you'd imagine he's going to get used more often than not. And they do have Champions League, so they might have to rotate at times, which is why they need that squad depth. But I think his minutes will be really good. So if he's given more attacking duties and less defensive ones, he might be an option at some point at 5.5 i am not saying go and rush out and put him into your game week one squads right now there are way there are way better ways to set up for the initial opening game weeks but who knows at some point we might be talking about him again so another player that's moved from leipzig to the premier league is christopher and kunku who's of course gone to chelsea he's listed as a 7.5 million forward last year it was 16 goals four assists which is a pretty decent return and his underlying numbers look fantastic 0.54 expected goals per 90 0.5 two expected assists there's a lot to get excited about there and i realize how sad that sounds getting excited about stats but it's encouraging even if you're someone that thinks there's a bundesliga tax where players move from there to the premier league and get worse there's still lots of promising signs that he could do well for 7.5 Fixture-wise, I don't think they're that bad whatsoever. Liverpool at home, West Ham away, game weeks one and two. Would you ask for more ideal fixtures to open up the season? Yes, but I'm not sure they're enough to put me off starting with an attacker if Chelsea can hit the ground running. And straight afterwards, it's Luton at home, Forest at home, Bournemouth away, and Aston Villa at home. So things overall look pretty good, even if the first two game weeks could be a little bit better. In terms of his time at Leipzig, as I've already said with Soboslai, they mostly played in a 4-2-2-2, and Kunku was used as one of the strikers, often paired with Timo Werner, which is quite funny, because obviously he came to Chelsea, didn't do that well. This might be a similar situation, but it just shows that Nkunku doesn't need a big striker next to him to do well mostly had a free roll was able to drift wide to receive the ball but was always in the box when needed and I think if we just quickly go back to the stats this shows that he's more of a goal scorer than a creator 16 goals versus only four assists and his expected goals per 90 much higher than his expected assists so in terms of being a goal scorer for just 7.5 with those fixtures and those numbers that is one of the reasons why I really like the look of him even though he hasn't been in a huge amount of my drafts he is someone I'm very much tempted by in terms of his role at Chelsea I am recording this a little bit in advance of when it's going to go out. We still don't quite know how Pochettino is going to set up, but it's likely he's going to use a 4-2-3-1, and Nkunku will probably be the number 10, but he's likely to play more of a shadow striker role. The interesting thing there, as soon as I heard that, I was thinking of Pochettino at Spurs when he had Delhi and Kane, and Delhi would often play as that shadow striker role, and he was excellent. Maybe Nkunku can be that kind of player at Chelsea under Pochettino. So again, you can tell I do like Nkunku quite a lot, but like I said, there's a lot of things that I'm talking about that would make me excited about him. Also, could be on penalties. They don't really have an out-and-out -out penalty taker there. A lot of them have left, like Jorginho and Havertz and stuff like that. The only other real options would be maybe Reese James or Sterling. But I think if you're picking between the three, you'd probably go for Nkunku. 
Uh, and like I said, prefers to stay high, so he's focusing on goals rather than creativity. And his minutes should be great. They've got no European competition to worry about. There will, of course, be League Cup and FA Cup eventually. But for the most part, they're going to be focusing on the Premier League. So I think he's going to be great for 7.5. So Tienemans is a player that some of you might have thought about. He's moved from Leicester to Aston Villa. He's coming at just 6 million, only 1.2% owned at the time of recording. He did only get three goals and two assists last year. So there's not a huge amount to get excited about. And his underlying numbers are pretty poor. 0.04 expected goal involvement per 90, 0.1 expected assists. Overall, the fixtures opening six are okay, but they do have to play three away games against Newcastle, Liverpool and Chelsea. So I think that would probably be enough straight away to put me off starting with a Villa attacker just so I can see how they set up and how well they do and maybe get them when the fixtures turn. But let's discuss his roles anyway, even though I don't think many people are going to start with him. At Leicester, never really played as an attacking midfielder, as I'm sure you've seen many times. More of a playmaker that spent most of his times in the middle third. Sometimes he would get into the attacking third, but not that often. And obviously some of the goals he scored in his Leicester career were from penalties. He wasn't usually first choice, but when Vardy was off the pitch, he did take a few as well. At Aston Villa... Things are interesting. There was a really great video on TIFO IRL about this, about whether or not Villa are making the right transfers. So they usually play with a double pivot. that includes Kamara being the more defensive midfielder and Louise being the more attacking. But Tiedemans is likely to be used in a similar role to David Luiz. So how do you fit both of them in? Luiz had 13 goal contributions last year. So if he ever gets injured and Tiedemans then gets a role, uh, sorry, time in the team where he's playing regularly, maybe he'll be an option. But if they're both fit, I'm not really sure how, how Unai Emery fits them in. Because if he plays them both, they're probably not going to have enough defensive stability in the middle of the pitch. So it is a little bit of a worry. I think for me, it's a wait and see. The fixtures aren't great. We don't quite know how he's going to fit in that team and how, how often he's going to play. And also they've got Europe, so there could be some rotation. So we have talked about Arsenal attackers a lot during pre-season. But mostly Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard and Jesus. We haven't really touched on Kai Havertz that much. So let's do it now, right? He's coming to Arsenal as a 75 5 million midfielder he's currently only 5.7 percent owned last year wasn't great seven goals one assist the underlying numbers were okay 0.38 expected goals per 19 0.13 expected assists so all round i think there is a better player there than maybe he displayed last season and we know that arsenal's fixtures are great to start the year they got forest at home palace away fulham at home first three game weeks then it's man united at home everton away spurs at home so four home fixtures in the first six and the two away games are Palace away and Everton away so not too bad whatsoever in terms of his role at Chelsea we've all seen him play there mostly used as a number nine leading the line probably would have preferred to be more of a false nine but that is just how he was used at Chelsea often isolated up front I won't maybe mess is a bit too harsh on Chelsea but there have been a lot of changes over the last couple of seasons ownership managers and stuff like that and they never really had an out and out striker that Havertz could play off so perhaps Perhaps what we've seen so far of him at Chelsea hasn't always been what he's capable of and maybe that will change at Arsenal in terms of where he's going to play for Arsenal we will get to see more of that during pre-season but it's likely to be as an attacking eight alongside Odegaard so basically where Xhaka played last season he does have the ability to play in other attacking positions I think he could probably play right across the front three so that might help in terms of his minutes but the problem at Arsenal is you've got so many good 
quality options that are kind of first choice in those roles that I wouldn't expect Havertz to be used there that often outside of maybe European rotation or just being substituted on and stuff like that. So I think most of the time, he's probably going to play as an attacking eight. He's going to have a role in chance creation and goal scoring. He is a good technical player. We've seen that in the Bundesliga, maybe not so much at Chelsea. And one player that this might have a bit of a knock-on effect with is if he is playing as that attacking eight on the left side and he drifts wide to get the ball... That might mean that Jesus doesn't have to do that so much. When Martinelli, Jesus and Saka are the front three, Jesus often drifts wide and that allows Martinelli to come inside. Jesus might not need to do that. And if he's staying more central, he might get even more opportunities for goals in and around the box. I don't think that Jesus is going to massively increase his numbers, but it is something to maybe keep an eye on. Arsenal do have other players that could play in that role as well. So it's not just Havertz being able to play elsewhere. It's also other players being able to play in that number eight role. So you've got Emil Smith, Rowe, who didn't play much last season due to injuries, uh, Leandro Trossard, who can basically play pretty much everywhere for Arsenal, and also Fabio Vieira. So I don't think the minutes are guaranteed for Havertz, but if he has come in to play that role, you would imagine he's going to be first choice. I just think Arsenal are one of those teams where they're important for FPL for a number of reasons. The prices are good, the fixtures are really good as well, and we know that most of those players are going to be nailed on to start. So is there any point in risking it with Havertz just to save 0.5 or 1 million? Probably not. Now, last year, Odegaard was really good. It might be the case that Havertz is... Could, could see him score even more goals than last year, get more assists as well. But this one is definitely a wait and see for me. So they are six players that are new, not necessarily new to the Premier League, but have got new clubs in the Premier League. Let me know if any of them are on your list for your Game Week 1 squad. Is there any other players that you want me to cover? I'll try and do another one of these videos. If you did enjoy it, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And make sure to check out Fantasy Football Hub. Links in the description below. Sports Social Podcast Network.